For those of you who clicked over from YouTube, thank you. And for the listeners on the audio-only side of things who listened to both this episode and the other one for today, or plan to, thank you as well. Just be warned. I usually sugarcoat my language and use coded language to get past the censors on YouTube, but not this time. This is only on the audio-only platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and the rest, so there will be no filtering, just straightforward language. The way I would love to be able to do it on YouTube, but just can't. It's the reality of the situation. And for those who know that I and a few others are working on a website that will have a paywall for additional non-YouTube and non-podcast content, consider this to be a free preview. On to our story for the day. You've heard about the church burnings in Canada. It is suspected that angry indigenous Canadians are burning Catholic churches over the story that has been reported as a crime against humanity. The story goes like this. According to the reporting, the Catholic Church killed a bunch of kids and covered it up through secret burials and the rest back in the 19th and early 20th centuries. This happened at the residential schools that indigenous children were forced to attend by the Canadian government. There has been a call to confiscate church property for reparations. None of that is true, though. It's all the fakest of fake news used to stir up anti-Catholic sentiment. Let's have a closer look at the issue. Now, I'm explicitly using non-Catholic sources for this information, and I'm doing that because I want you to share this with people who might be hostile to the church because of the reporting on this issue. All these podcasting platforms, wherever you're hearing this, have a share feature. Please use it to help clear the air on this mess. I'm not asking for it for extra subscribers or whatever. Please, let's clear the air on this. Now, this source isn't by any stretch of the imagination a right-wing or traditional or reactionary source. To the website realwomenofcanada.ca, with this headline, Jumping to Conclusions Without the Facts in the Indigenous Residential Schools Question. The article was posted on the 21st of June, 2021, just a couple of weeks ago. This is not a Catholic website at all, and I applaud them for being truthful in reporting. If you want to read their report and the rest of my sources, you can do so at returntotradition.org. That's the name of this podcast with a .org in today's show notes. Anyway, here's what the article said. Quote, Real Women of Canada believes that our members and contacts should be aware of the report by Dr. Scott Hamilton, anthropologist, at Lakehead University in Thunder Bay. Dr. Hamilton was retained by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission to review the Indigenous school cemeteries. He has extensively reviewed the problem of cemeteries, including the former Kamloops Residential School, where 215 children were reportedly buried. The media has written numerous articles about this tragedy without investigating the facts, which reveals another perspective on the situation. Sensible persons in Canada can no longer believe or be influenced by the media, since it has proven itself to be undeserving of either confidence or respect. Media manipulation and inadequacies were exposed in the horrendous story about innocent, helpless indigenous children being buried and forgotten in a cemetery on the grounds of a residential school in Kamloops. According to the media's account, the cemetery was a mass grave, the term usually describing war crimes or massacres of children who were neglected, abused, and abandoned in the residential schools and buried in the cemetery to hide their deaths. It would be a shocking story if it were true. However, Dr. Scott Hamilton, from the Department of Anthropology at Lakehead University in Thunder Bay, Ontario, was retained by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission to address the question of deceased children living in residential schools and buried on school lands. 
His examination of this issue tells an eye-opening and very different story from the perceptions created by the media. Anyone who has any doubts about the following summary should read Dr. Hamilton's 44-page report themselves, end quote. And on their website, they have a hot link to that so you can read it for yourself. And I'll continue with their report in a minute, but notice something here. They are absolutely right about this, how this is being reported. The media is talking about this as if it were a war crime or a genocide, as if the church was trying to exterminate the indigenous population, which has led to calls for the confiscation of church property for reparations. And it's absolutely demonic. But let's get back to the story. Quote, Dr. Hamilton starts his report by explaining that it is difficult to find answers because some indigenous residential schools were rebuilt in various locations under the same name. Physical evidence was difficult to find since the story extended over a century in many cases, and archival documentation was not always available. Dr. Hamilton's work, therefore, focused on the documents that did survive. His report is an eye-opening explanation about the approximately 100 years of operation of 150 Indian residential schools in Canada. The search indicates that at least 3,213 children were reported to have died in these residential schools. According to Dr. Hamilton, communicable diseases were a primary cause of poor health and death for many Aboriginal people during the 19th and early 20th centuries. Tuberculosis, for which there was no cure, was rampant during this period. It affected Aboriginals more than other Canadians. Indigenous people had limited resources and resistance to the European newcomers' diseases. The general poor living conditions within the residential schools would have increased the problem. Some children had likely contracted the disease prior to attending the school, but others were infected within the crowded and poorly constructed residential school, built by the Department of Indian Affairs, not by the various churches. End quote. Did you catch that? These garbage-quality schools were built by the government, the same government silently sitting back and letting what would be considered a hate crime against the church happen if it was being done to any other group other than Christians and especially Catholics. Imagine if this was being done to Muslims. I'll let you think about that one. The doctor's report goes on and reminds the reader that at the time there were no shots available to stem the deaths of indigenous children. They died of tuberculosis, which had been a major killer of children at the time. My wife and I had been discussing this whole mess, and she reminded me that at this time in history, that there was something like a 50% mortality rate of children for some of these tribes. That was the reality of the situation, and tuberculosis was a major killer of indigenous children in those days. Drugs that could help them weren't developed until the war years, and as the report says, quote, It is significant that by 1948, the death rate of indigenous children in the schools had substantially decreased. Prior to 1948, student illness or death was high, and the subsequent lower death rate can be attributed to medical developments, end quote. Once medicine was available, the death rates dropped. Imagine my shock. Now, if you don't know what a residential school is, they were government schools that were at best managed by various faith groups in Canada. Again, from the report, quote, Prior to 1883, Protestant and Catholic missionaries established churches and schools, and in some cases, hospitals to care, care for aboriginals of all ages. These schools were intended to provide basic literacy to acculturate children to non-aboriginal social and religious values, and to provide vocational schools to enable them to more easily assimilate into society. It was not until 1883 that the Canadian government, under the Indian Affairs Department, took control of and established further, larger institutions, known as the residential school system, for indigenous children who were to provide both academic and industrial training, 
with an eye to aid their employment and integration within the increasingly dominant Euro-Canadian society. The 1920 Amendment to the Indian Act gave to the Department of Indian Affairs the authority to send any school-age Indigenous child to a day or residential school. It was not until the early 1970s that the number of residential schools in operation began to decline sharply and finally ceased operations in 1996, So, initial schools were built by the church, but then were replaced by shoddily built government schools that helped create an unhealthy environment that combined with a lack of medicine and tuberculosis and combined with the lack of technology available to transport human remains safely back to their families at a low cost created this mess. This is the genocide the anti-Catholic media in Canada is reporting, and it's resulted in justifiably angry indigenous folks who have no idea that they're being manipulated into engaging in heinous crimes by the enemies of all of humanity. But here's the best part. The burial practices that led to the current controversy were the result of government policy, not the church. And when you have a contract from the government to run a program, you follow their policies to the letter. It sucks a lot, but that's the reality. If anything, this is a lesson in the church not taking the dirty coins of Caesar to do his will. From the report, quote, Surprisingly enough, Indian Affairs did not have a formal written policy on burial of children from residential schools until 1958, which was fully 75 years after the rapid expansion of the residential school system. Although not written, the practice of the department was not to pay funeral expenses unless the cost of long-distance transportation was less than the cost of burying the student where he died. This is consistent with the practice that occurred throughout the whole history of the residential school system, namely to keep burial costs low, which discouraged sending bodies of deceased students back to their home communities. Correspondence over the years from Indian Affairs indicates that under normal circumstances, the schools were expected to cover the costs of burial of students who died at their schools. The most cost-effective way of doing this was to undertake burial in a cemetery on school grounds. Such cemeteries often contained not only the bodies of students, but also those of teachers and religious personnel in the schools who had died while working there. Over time, the wooden crosses marking the graves deteriorated, as did the fencing surrounding these cemeteries. As a result, some of these cemeteries became lost to time. Another problem was the maintenance of these residential school cemeteries. Indian Affairs did not accept responsibility for maintaining them. This responsibility fell on the religious congregations which operated these schools with inadequate government funding. Another problem was that these residential school cemeteries were also sometimes used for burials of members of nearby municipalities, but the municipalities did not accept any responsibility to maintain the cemeteries. End quote. Did you catch that? The state, at any level, would not, would not cover the costs of the transportation of the bodies of deceased children back to their families unless it was cheaper to transport them long distance than to bury them, nor would they cover any costs to maintain these cemeteries or the graves themselves. In other words, they almost never sent the bodies back and acted like these children never existed. Think about that. That was the government's policy and practice, not the church's. I've got that source and a source on tuberculosis from the Canadian Health Authority website, both listed in my show notes today at returntotradition.org. That's the name of this podcast with a .org at the end. Go read them for yourself and do not buy the media narrative. The church did not murder these children and then cover it up. I can barely contain my rage at this, using an honest tragedy made worse by government to go after the church, all the while the government in question keeps silent. This is despicable, and they should repent of this. But instead, I'll just end this as I usually do, asking you to pray for the church, since in these times, she needs your prayers. 
and St. Kateri Tekakwitha pray for us. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.